Welcome to Ready Layer One. This is a crypto podcast that focuses on the near ecosystem. Somebody really special on the show who I've just noticed recently kind of popping up in the near ecosystem. She is a thought leader and, and writes some really impressive threads. So I first came across, you know, we, uh, wow, a few months back now, you started dropping some threads. And um, I just, I was very impressed with how well you synthesized really complex concepts on in crypto and the blockchain and then obviously you're focusing on near and so that got, caught my attention and you seem to really have kind of dove into the community in full force you know since kind of those beginning of those threads and everything what kind of led you to near and crypto and kind of the, like what's your origin story yeah the origin story uh, i mean generally crypto and blockchain i was i i was thrown into it more by coincidence than by pure will. I never planned for my life to go this way, but um, I studied linguistics. I moved to Japan. I did an internship. And after the six months were over, I felt like I'd like to live here for a bit longer and actually work. So I started looking for a job and somehow a blockchain consulting company, they hired me as a sales associate. And I had no clue of blockchain. I also told them during my interview, but they were fine with that. They just said, okay, you will have to learn it. And so I did. Um, that was in 2018. So ever since I've been in the space and I've worked with a variety of companies, um, initially this consulting company and then for an exchange, uh, which was a part of Bitcoin.com and later on for a layer one blockchain for a GameFi project and uh, mostly in marketing because I started writing and then just somehow turned into a marketer instead of a salesperson, which I prefer because I don't like sales anyway. Um, no offense to all the salespeople, but I'm just not a fit. I'm, I'm with you. I, I know the marketing world and salespeople and marketing's way more fun. <clears throat> yeah, it's more fun. It depends on how you do it, like anything. Um, but... Yeah, so then getting into the near ecosystem, funny story, I quit my job with a blockchain company and a friend and I, we were planning on building something together and we figured the near ecosystem or the near blockchain would be a perfect fit because of the easy onboarding experience. Um, long story short, the yeah human relationship broke, so we're not doing anything together anymore. And funny enough, I am not working in the near ecosystem per se. It's just a I work for companies that are in Polkadot, that are like institutional payment providers that are in other ecosystems, all except for mm. the new ecosystem, just quite funny. Um, but yeah, I kind of went to Neocon and quite enjoyed the vibe. I like the people. And so I figured... Let's jump into Neocon real fast because you're, you're, you're talking about a lot of the great stuff. Kind of want to pack a little bit. Neocon. How, how sweet was Neocon? Joe and I went and it was like a carnival vibe and it was... <laughs> In a big yeah. warehouse, lots of talented, smart conversations happening. Yeah, no, that was great. And except for the, like the parties, I didn't really like. Like the opening back was shit. But anyway, don't <laughs> don't tell anybody. That's no, fine. <laughs> I'm not a big partier anymore. So we went to a couple, but I was like the guy who was like, "All right, it's nine. Let's I'm dipping." Yeah, let's see. Yeah. <laughs> no, just... I find I find most of these like networking uh, generally after all the crypto conferences, I find that weird when people try to make it a party, but everybody is also trying to network or trying to yeah. hit up investors or something. It's just like, yeah, the atmosphere is off. Like either make it the one or the other, but the well, 
this gen this time in the space web three let's say blockchain crypto whatever you want to call it is relatively new and so there's a bunch of people like kind of just throwing things at the wall small teams there's there's still an ar knowledge arbitrage so someone who is just like two or three people can start up a company so you've got this sort of like fun everyone learning party vibe sometimes but also people doing serious stuff and then vcs being like how do we how do we do rounds in this how do we start funding people into incubators well at the moment they're all broke so i'm not sure but <laughs> Well, I think, yeah, that, some of these teams, not all of them. They're no. doing, some are doing okay. They're just waiting. They're like, yeah, we'll give it a, another year. So once they hatch their risks, they are fine. Exactly. Um, so with Near Protocol, what have you found like now in the space with like, the community aspect? How have you liked, you know, since you started posting threads, how have you liked the community? Yeah. So actually the reason I started the threads was very calculated. So because we were planning to build in the ecosystem, I was like, I should build some cloud. Yeah, And it worked really well, <laughs> to put it that way. Um, I started connecting with people in this space pretty fast. And I think because Nier is still fairly small um, compared mm -hmm. to other ecosystems, it's a lot easier to connect with even people that are leading companies or are fairly important, I guess, like people from the foundation. Um, mm -hmm. And you can just go hit them up and talk to them and they won't put up a wall or anything. So I quite enjoyed that. Um, what I also found was missing was more discussions around certain topics or thematics. So that's why I started doing my spaces because I felt like a lot of the spaces were like, okay, we're going to introduce you to this project and it's awesome. But there was no like, yeah, but you know, there's 100 other people doing the exact same thing. So how exactly are you trying to mitigate the problems they've run into? And right. also more conversations with other ecosystems just to see what works and what doesn't. So yeah, that's why I kind of stuck around because I thought maybe I can contribute that because personally I'm chain agnostic. Um, I am um, for whatever works and whatever gives people the best benefits. So um, if there's where we can learn from other ecosystems how to do certain things, then I think that's great. Well, that's awesome. I'd love to kind of talk a little bit about, so <clears throat> I love the, the thought of like how you approach coming into the ecosystem because one of the things that I really value, especially in Web3, one is like the collaborative nature of it. And so the ability to actually be able to reach out. But I love that you came in trying to provide something instead of just coming in and asking for something. So kind of like, where did that mindset come from for you? Like, how did, you know, was that something you had seen before or you just kind of felt like this is how I always wanted to do things? Well, it's funny because even in sales, I would do it that way because I always feel it's cringe. Like I hate when people DM me on LinkedIn and they're like, hey, can I have your time? Because I really want to sell you this. And I'm like, no, <laughs> of course not. Go away. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> like, what is this even? Um, yeah. So I've always come from, okay, you know what? We should give people something before we ask them. And yeah. if there's something I can contribute because it's me and I understand this stuff and I have a talent for breaking it down, then I should do that. And usually it's always worked out well. Like eventually people will reach out to you and you get to sell, let's say, um, whatever you wanted to. But yeah, I've always yeah. approached it that way. And I think that's just because personally, I always find about doing sales terrible. So I was trying to find a way how I can enjoy it more. <laughs> and that was the way. And yeah. Now it's a lot easier. Yeah, the adding value is super 
smart way to go about anything. Cause when you try to sell somebody, somebody is like instantly puts them on the defense. Like, cause I'm with you. I get so many just like cold emails, LinkedIn's all that's just like, now they're getting crafty. You know, like, Hey, hop on the zoom today. And you're like, wait, do I, wait, is this someone from my office? Like, wait, should I be, you know? And then you're on a zoom. Did I forget? Yeah, totally. Invite. Oh, those make me the most upset. I'm like, I thought I just missed a call salesperson. <laughs> But when you add value to something, you're just building like reputation. And then when people need something, they go to a source for a trusted, you know, opinion. It's really important. Yeah. But also it takes longer. And I think that's why a lot of the salespeople is because they have all these quotas to hit. They don't have the time to do that. Because I also worked in an organization and they had like Salesforce and you would track on everything. Like, so you had a dashboard. Like you had to do at least 10 calls an hour or whatever. Like, <laughs> right. It's like, if you don't, or you like send 100 emails and eventually you, you have just a small client base or like a list of prospects. So you end up scrubbing them and it yep. makes it even less likely that any of them responds. But yeah, no, that, that's really interesting. I mean, so coming from that marketing background, like do you, does it feel though like marketing to you, like when you are actually you know, putting these threads together or you're doing these spaces or does it, would you almost categorize it a little bit differently? Yes, you're kind of marketing some concepts within near, but like, does it actually feel like, like, I guess what we call traditional marketing? Uh, well, not really, but I kind of consider it branding, like personal branding, uh, because it's all kind of associated to my personality and uh, the brand I'm building. But in terms of marketing, I see it more as an educational effort. I'm not sure it would fall under traditional marketing because I've also never been in traditional marketing. I've always been in Web3 ever since I started my career. So it's hard to say that, yeah, this is different <laughs> too because that's how I know it. And I do know that there has been some changes in how you market as well. Like Now it's a lot more threats, a lot more educational, a lot less shilling, at least in my circles. I'm fascinated with that, that leap from web two to web three, because of what you're saying, like there is this community aspect that traditional sort of web two doesn't have as much. There's not like a, an Apple or Google or Twitter, but then you've got like this web three space where you have almost like teams developing and it's almost like sports and you don't yeah. track a lot of people in web three. You, you can't really, I mean, soon you will be able to, but that part of the stack isn't quite transferred over yet. I haven't found yeah, and I'm also not sure if it's good if we start doing that. It's kind of like I, I see uh -huh. a lot of ad uh, tech blockchain companies, and some of them, they focus on very specific things. Like, for example, how can you make the bidding process more transparent? Then I'm like, why do we need to go to this exploitative stuff and make it even worse? Like, But now we do it on chain, so that's why it's cool. Yeah. Um, I think it's like it, because it's Web3, we should come up with better business models that don't uh, make the same mistakes web two did but oh agree I'm, I'm not pro man web web two is just basically like a, a consumption machine that sucks people's data and sells it to people to send them more stuff that's basically yeah. what yeah. it is you know in like a cycle web three can change i hope at least yeah it's getting worse right even amazon search results are terrible now like they used to be the leader when it comes to like suggesting you stuff and now it's just their own ads it's like yeah. wow great <laughs> Yeah. Joe, what do you think about the uh, consumption and tracking of Web2? I, well, I believe you brought in the Amazon thing because that's kind of where I was thinking of too, like uh, just how poor a lot of the results are. And a lot of that, I think, it comes from like the lack of trust. 
you know so like right now i forget who we had the conversation with jared but we had a similar conversation where we were talking about like that the misinformation and the amount of just you know scams and fraud and everything in something as simple as like what i'm trying to purchase like home goods from amazon that it's become so difficult to figure that out like it does feel like there's a huge opportunity within blockchain somewhere to start to kind of resolve some of that because at this point like i don't trust a review i don't trust a review on like a yelp or a google or amazon i mean i i figure i I assume they're all fake you know the only time I get any real recommendations that I trust anymore are actually people who I kind of like either know through like online, you know, whether it's like uh, a discord group or something or on Twitter or like someone who's actually like a real life friend, you know, like I, I don't, it's impossible like, where I used to always go to the internet. I was the guy that spends, you know, four or five hours researching like the best light bulb for my basement, you know, and now I'm like, I, I don't believe anybody. So I'll just ask people like, I, do you see that too? Is that kind of like where your thought process is? I don't really look at reviews much on Amazon. I must admit, I do like watching these uh, YouTube skin videos sometimes, mm-hmm. but that's more like, because they're very soothing. Uh, not really because I'm going to end up buying the products. They're too expensive. Right. Um, but no, I mean, when it comes to book recommendations, for example, which is something I buy every week. Um, I mostly go to either friends or I read a couple of newsletters and those have a lot of recommendations. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, you can't change it. You know, the, the challenge of still though is like on Web3 is the either anonymity or like the reputation piece, right? It's like you still don't know where that comes from. And so... You know, I don't, I don't know what the, I guess if I knew the answer, I'd be working on it, but I don't, I don't know it. <laughs> I just, I think there is though, there seems like there is an opportunity there somewhere, whether it is tracking the process, where this person came from, where these reviews are, did this person actually even, ha- you know, get this product, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, there's the reputation as king initiative, right? In the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. I love the uh, approach that, you know, I want to kind of really get into some of this, the work that you've been doing, of uh, you know, the educational piece. So as you continue to think about like what you're doing, you know, over the next even just few months to a year as you're within the near ecosystem, and even though you're not working in the in near, you know, do you see that as something that like, do you want to continue? Like, uh, how do you view yourself within that? Yeah, I mean, the educational piece I've been doing uh, for at least two years now. So not necessarily in the near ecosystem, but wherever I was and I've mentored people and I've been part of uh, various initiatives, like for example, the unit master program, where they basically teach people the basics of blockchain and crypto in six weeks. And they do that by giving you content every week and you have a speaker and you've got some lessons and then you have a group session with your study group lead, which was me, where you can just ask anything or just uh, talk through the concepts and get some advice and whatnot. I've done that and it's been pretty good. Like some of the women I've helped, they now starting their own blockchain and crypto ventures or winning hackathons. So that's pretty cool to see. And I've also now I'm a DLT talent mentor, which is another program where they are doing it for, I think, 18 weeks. And that's also like getting people ready to start working in crypto. So those are the kind of things I do on the side. And I've always been more on the educational side and 
with every talk I've done or every panel I've participated in that was kind of at the back of my mind because I've seen so many people get burned so I kind of want to help them get this mindset of yes being curious but also questioning things and um, not just trusting everything you see but being able to distinguish a little bit better between okay can I do this should I maybe not do this and yeah so I definitely see myself continuing and because I'm in all these ecosystems I also kind of have a good insight into, for example, what's happening at Polkadot, um, what's happening on the institutional side, and to then contribute and yeah, mix all these things together and bring them to near and wherever else I go. <laughs> so I think there's a, you know, listening to, I think just all of these pieces, a lot of things come to mind. One, I think it's, I think the point going back a little bit is like from the conferences piece is super interesting because I think while there is some crossover at certain conferences, I feel like a lot of the different conferences are very maxi focused, right? Yeah. Like I think like Solana Breakpoint is really just like Solana people, you know, and NearCon, it was near people. And I think those are good and important for like the community and aspect and like building up that ecosystem. But like, I think the point is very well made of like, this is not bringing in outside people. And this is not bringing in, uh, I guess people from other chains, which I don't even know, know always matters so much. It's more about like really bringing in people from the outside period, I think is where we probably really want to go. And so that leads to, I think, where like the wallet becomes so important because that's someone's first interaction with any kind of blockchain is that you have to have some kind of wallet. And that concept is new, right? Like you never, like that's not something that you did. And I also even think like the word wallet is scary for people at times because it's instantly financial or it's yeah. instantly like, like my money is now tied to this where like, that was not the thing. Like just my email was tied to everything before in web two. Now it's, Oh my, my money is. And so <laughs> I think that's like how you start to onboard people long-term really becomes yes with the wallet, but also like how that really becomes framed and how comfortable people can really feel around that concept yeah and i think there's there's a lot of approaches right I, you know there's this company called icon for example where they will cloud host a wallet for you and all you do is like social sign on and even for organizations they can use okta and if you wanted to you could always go and get your seed phrase out at any point but it is just uh, easing the onboarding and making it more of a okay this is basically just like a profile Versus this is an actual wallet where I keep money. <laughs> so in Web3, it sounds like to me, like just having yeah. like a wallet that is like the mega wallet that's got the best security. I mean, sadly, it'll come down to like just a few wallets then, you know, but that's sort of yeah. the, like how Google was the landing page for the web for so long. I feel like there will become a wallet that is that for each chain. You know, it's like, oh yeah, get the wallet and then just start exploring the chain from there. So people don't even oh. have to go to websites and things like that. I mean, not even just for one chain. Like, we're not for multiple chains, right? right? Because nobody wants to have a variety of wallets. Like, that's why people use stuff like Trust Wallet, because you can add, like, a bunch of chains versus having one near wallet, having one metal mask, having one, like, whatever wallet for Solana, Phantom. Yeah. Um, it's just annoying. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a really tough user experience, and it's a tough sell to people, in, even in people who are technical but don't 
don't really understand yet, like the Web3 and crypto space, like that's still a hard sell on a lot of people. And even the management piece of it where, uh, you know, my concern always is that I, I think, yeah, you want everyone to be able to have custody over their assets. And that's part of that ethos of what you're like, why crypto? But at the same time that, you know, if they don't have that safety net, of like where I can like call my bank and say I need to reset my password. Yeah. Like then I, I don't know how you start to really transition that. But at the same time, like you can't really have uh, you can't have a centralized thing of like we're gonna reset your password. So near and that's why I think near to me is very interesting because of the account model. Yeah. You know, and that's why that's why I really like near. I think near has the flexibility for the long term to actually onboard people in that way because they can have a really dynamic account model where somebody could actually have custody over the wallet, but you like, it's kind of like co-ownership essentially, you know? And so I think that's, those are the type of things to kind of go through, you know, is that, is that kind of the approach that you feel for yourself when you think about like, how would you onboard people? Like, can we get to that point? Or are you just say, let's let the kind of, let, let me wait before I start bringing more people on chain. I think we have a lot of things to figure out before we bring on more people, especially yeah. moral. It's not really well developed at the moment, but yeah. especially in the decentralized ecosystem, obviously it's hard uh, to kind of go after the bad actors, but at least you can make it socially unacceptable. Um, yeah, so I guess there's that. But I do think the account model is interesting and I do think we're going to go towards more social recovery also in other ecosystems. I think it's being discussed quite heavily in Ethereum as well, like the account model. And also in regards to soulbound tokens, the idea of letting you recover your soul or your wallet um, using your friends or family. And then you could just say like, okay, as long as I have five out of the seven pieces, I can recover it. And you don't have to give everybody the entire thing. You can encrypt it. And yeah, I think that's going to become bigger. And maybe there's going to be service providers that will offer this even. And of course, then you're still trust an entity. And maybe there's going to be protocols offering it as a service. But I think before we are fully decentralized, uh, I don't know, maybe we figured out all the other stuff. But yeah. uh, until then, I think there will always be some centralized providers that will yeah, ease people's mind about having this wallet and potentially losing it. Yeah, and it might just be two wallets. Like there's your one wallet that yeah. you got your massive amount of that's like a little bit more like singular. It's like, hey, here's your here's your your keys, your your bag or whatever you want to say, all your cryptos on this wallet. That's like you got to be a little bit more specific with that. You don't go flying around web three with that one. You just kind of don't mess with it. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've got your yeah. second wallet that is like a different wallet completely, but just all about user experience. And there's like co-ownership on accounts. And it's just like, let's get stuff done and let's do things, entertainment, business, anything. I mean, that's kind of how I use like my ledger and my other wallets. <laughs> yeah. I have my shitcoin wallet, like trust wallet. There's a bunch of useless stuff in there. Um, but that's where you can receive like money from shady people as well, because you're like, oh, well, there's nothing else associated with this wallet, so they're yeah. not going to find me. Um, or just to try stuff where you are like, okay, this could potentially rock me, so maybe it's better if I use a wallet that has nothing in it. Totally. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's also like, again, making it more inconvenient, right? Because then you have to have two wallets. I mean, most people I know, they probably have upwards of 10 wallets. Yeah. 
um, okay. myself included. Sure. So especially yeah. if you've been around for a little while, absolutely. No, absolutely. yeah, yeah. So you are in a lot of different communities, um, especially through like the near ecosystem. Um, so you just you know, with different Telegram groups and you know Twitter groups and stuff like that. You talk a little bit about like you know. I guess either just highlight some of the ones that you you think are really uh, interesting or important and some of the stuff that's going on there and like kind of what's drawing you to some of those groups. Yeah, that's, uh, obviously everybody knows I'm in the Shitsu community, which started out as a meme coin, but I think since they've, they've pivoted to just supporting educational efforts and people attending stuff like the Aurora updates or Twitter spaces. So that's quite interesting because there's actually a lot of Mia OGs in there, even though they might not always say stuff, but occasionally they come out and contribute. Um, so that's an interesting one, but that's more like on the fun educational side. Um, then I'm also in the nearest now Twitter group, even though sometimes I follow, sometimes I don't. It's just, I only have 24 hours a day and I need to sleep. So, so and I think that one also, like, I think there was a huge fight in the, um, Telegram group at some point, so I quit. Um, yeah, Telegram group got a little rough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it got a bit too rough for my taste. I do think that sometimes there are valid discussions happening, though, so it's a good one to be aware of. And I think a lot of the founders are in there as well. Um, yeah, and I think also some people from the Near Foundation, so they they kind of get like a idea of what the people in the ecosystem really think. Yeah. And. Yeah, apart from that, the near ecosystem groups, not that many, I think. Or maybe I just forgot about them or never checked them. But um, I am also obviously in the near group and in the near protocol Discord and whatnot. But I'm in, I don't know, 70 Discord servers and I check maybe three or four. So that's, yeah. that's the extent to which is get. But okay. there's like a couple of NFT projects which I bought. And there I'm actually also fairly active in the Discord. But that's mostly because I really like what they're trying to do. And they have like Otaku Chat, for example, where people just having fun with AI and the NFT and yeah, whatnot. So those are just fun places to be and see. And I think it's interesting because there's obviously a lot of NFT projects that have turned very toxic. And somehow yeah. I've managed to pick up the ones that are very positive, happy communities. <laughs> so <laughs> that's just, uh, you go there for the creative um yeah yeah so i one thing i think that sticks out and we talked about you know so we had uh christina on a while back and we talked a little bit about different communities and stuff like that and obviously i think as a woman it's probably a different experience sometimes in some of these different groups especially like toxicity and stuff like that is that something that you pay attention to that's something that you think needs to be addressed um, kind of like, obviously, I think obviously we want to address a period, but I think just where you feel like that it's actually hindering a lot of these ecosystems. Uh, I mean, I've never thought so much of myself as a woman in Web3. Just when it gives me free tickets, I will say, ha yeah, I'm a woman in Web3. Um, <laughs> but I mean, obviously toxicity, maybe we are more aware of it when it happens. And there is sometimes comments where you think, okay, is this really necessary? You would have definitely not made this comment if I was a man. Yeah, same. Um, I think that often. I'm like, why are you saying that? Like, Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think it's important to also encourage others to then call it out, right? Like, it doesn't matter if you're a woman or a man, but if you see something like that, you should say like, hey, this is not okay. Mm. You should think about like what you say. 
And sometimes there's still um, corners where it feels like a boys' club. Yeah. Like, and like, I said that a lot when I was working as well. It's like, yeah, they kind of ignore me, I guess, because I'm a woman and because I don't wear a suit. But anyway, moving on. So, in IRL, it happens too. Yeah, but I mean, mostly I've been lucky. I studied in Tokyo and often I was the only woman and the only non-Japanese in the room. And it was fine. I, I never really got much of the, yeah, we will not listen to you because you are, I don't know, a vibe. Sure. I do know it happens though. And yeah, I've just been lucky, I guess, to not have experienced it. But I do feel also in the near ecosystem, they could do a bit more um and I mean, there was the ladies' night space, and there were some comments under that that were like, okay, is this really needed? Like, every time we women say, okay, we're going to do our space, people are going to be like, oh, am I invited or do I qualify for ladies' night? It's like, well, you know, you don't invite us to all your male spaces, which are usually like implicitly male because most of them are guys. Um, so why do you have to be speaker on our space where we're trying to highlight like women? Um, so those are kind of things that are a bit annoying. Um, yeah, I get yeah. It. it's kind of hard because it's like I think that there really shouldn't need to be yeah, yeah. men or women spaces. It's just everyone's in Web three, but that's sadly not maybe practically yeah. what happens or like the yeah. actual yeah. yet at least. Hopefully in the future, everybody's just like yeah, cool. Like that yeah. idea of like male, female, man, woman is like pretty yeah. dated to me and i'm like yeah it is <laughs> i mean I, I feel the same way and i went to this conference in berlin and they had a they had a lot of women panels but they were all separate and i was feeling that's so weird because now the women are in this room and yeah. the rest is here and i'm like right. yeah uh, you know like ideally we just make sure that on each panel at least there is some representation right so for my twitter spaces at least well Fortunately, because I'm a woman, there's always one present. But yeah. whenever possible, I try to have at least some representation um, just to make sure, yeah, they are part of the conversation. And I mean, that's how I would like to be treated. Just, yeah, uh, yeah, add me to your panel. I don't care if it's a woman in Web3 panel. If it's a man in Web3 panel, I might be a bit uh, yeah. off, but yeah. <laughs> I like don't think we need a panel. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a little bit suspect if someone calls it that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I wouldn't. Yeah. It would be funny either. though. It, it could be like a parody. Yeah. What do you hope near and Web three looks like in the next year? Like, we're, like, and this is sort of the part where it's like pie in the sky, fun. It doesn't even have to be factual. Just like, what do you, what do you hope for as that north star of a decentralized Web three platform? The north star. I mean, the ideal is that everybody runs a note on their phone, something like that, right? That's cool. or, or like in a Silicon Valley, even my fridge. I love that concept because I my North Stars decentralize the profits, right? Like I think like Amazon Web Services. What if everyone yeah. owned a little bit of Amazon Web Services? So all the profit from Amazon Web Services sort of got de de diluted to everybody. So you didn't just yeah. have one uber rich multi hundred billionaire guy buying yachts. You have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people making thousands and thousands of dollars. For just a healthier sort of society that's my like dream of web3 yeah it's basically universal basic income right i haven't put that that's that's <laughs> interesting right like if everybody owns the collective 
That's interesting. No, but I mean, I mean, if you think of like mm-hmm. the the coming AI, if everything yeah. goes, we're all going to lose our jobs. <laughs> That's what I was telling my friend. <laughs> oh, I, man. Think right. I should read about that. Again. <laughs> right. It's you know, there's a lot more people who are a little bit more socialist and progressive in the next couple of years when nobody <laughs> has a job. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's also funny in America. Everything is socialist. Like as soon as you have a idea like public health care they're like oh no that's socialist go away it's like yo that's actually a good idea don't just frame everything like that so that i think is also like an exciting blockchain use case is citizen journalism but you need to have like a way to validate the inputs i i think i like just kind of as we can again near the end here that piece of what's becoming more and more apparent at least for me so, you know, as an American who had these different kind of values, both good and bad, you know, spewed upon me over the years to go into crypto and to go into Web3 and to experience things on a more global nature and experience things that are more like, you know, when I do something on in near and on chain, it's going to affect people in all the different countries across the world, right? Like it doesn't, it's not just about me locally. And so I think it really starts to change people's perspective on what, like how the world really even works. And so I think that's why the education piece and kind of bring it back to you is I, I loved your threads early on, especially too, of that education piece is so important because it's a perspective that's more global than, you know, just saying like, hey, you know, this is how money works in your country and that's it. Where now suddenly you start to think about those finances, you know, because now one year maybe to me, you know, is okay, it's only a couple bucks and $2 in America does not go far. But $2 in a different country might go pretty far, might actually be enough for a full meal, you know, and that that does make a difference to somebody. And so when you start to consider those pieces, I think is really um, an interesting aspect. Is that what you're thinking a lot about when you think about like, how can you contribute global because you have a lot more global experience too it sounds like you've traveled a bit you've lived in different countries things like that yeah but i've only lived in expensive countries so two (laughs) dollars got you maybe like a coffee at the convenience store (laughs) if you're lucky (laughs) i mean it changes the day but uh, yeah yeah i mean i do think about that but actually not so i think it's always at the back of my mind somehow having had some global exposure uh, that it is a lot more than just my country. And actually, I think some of the biggest uh, impact that crypto can have is not in the Western, like rich countries. Agree. Um, it is like outside of those. And there are some companies that are actually doing some good work in that. And a friend of mine, she's working, for example, on the creation of carbon credits and tracking those using blockchain. And I know there's a lot of carbon credit protocols, but they all focus just on the like, making them tradable part. They don't focus on the actual creation and quality control. Um, So that's something where I can say, hey, this is exciting because also it supports local agriculture. And that is agriculture in countries that probably need a cash injection or where farmers are having a really hard time, especially with climate change. Um, And also there's another one where they basically give small coffee um, farmers alone that's crowdsourced and yeah then you can even buy the coffee so you can kind of get something feasible on top of the 10 percent you earn in like yeah right that's really neat yeah, yeah. so i think those are going to be the yeah, i hope the projects we can focus more on 
in the future. I'm away from the Ponzinomics. Like 10% is not bad. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, anything you want to kind of like, uh, you know, shield, kind of get off, you know, promote things that are upcoming or that you're working on? Sure. I haven't planned my next Twitter space yet, but it's going to happen eventually. I was thinking maybe creator economy as a topic. Love it. Um, so just looking for speakers. If anybody feels like they're a good fit, they should reach out. And apart from that, not really much to shill. I mean, you can follow my medium and Twitter, but yeah, I'm, I, I'm terrible at shilling, so. No, we'll, we'll, we'll share those in the show notes, so that's great. That's I awesome. should ask ChatGPT to show for me. You know, I'm getting a I'm getting a VTuber eventually out of my NFT PFP, so in that case, I can combine them and just animate it nice. so it looks like I would be saying these things. <laughs> nice. Oh, very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you for having me. Ready Layer One is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. You should not make any decision, financial investment, trading, or otherwise based on any of the information presented in this podcast without undertaking independent due diligence and consultant and consultation with a professional broker or financial advisory.